Well, amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. And uh, music ministry, thank you, Brother Ron, for the uh, testimony and for kind of giving us just a little bit of a glimpse uh, into your trip. Uh, obviously, a trip of six or seven weeks, kind of hard to uh, condense all of that into, I think you said, 64 pictures. Uh, but um, I appreciate his willingness to share that with us and to do it in as timely of a manner as possible. I want to just say uh, publicly how much of a blessing it is to uh, be a part of the Cleveland Baptist Church. Uh, last Sunday, uh, we asked you to give uh, to some things that we were doing, and uh, you folks um, just responded in an amazing way. And um, we had two, two different projects, and I, I'll just share the details of each one. We, we were trying to help a church in Lahaina. Of course, many of you have watched um, that situation unfold there in, in, uh, in Hawaii, and uh, there's a church there, the Grace Baptist Church, that we were aware of that had lost everything. They had lost uh, their building. The pastor there had lost his home. And, uh, and so we um, wanted to be a help to them. Brother Hank Okuma really spearheaded this. And we had a, a meal on Sunday afternoon right after the service. And uh, I, believe, I believe our church gave in the neighborhood about $8,000. Uh, that, that check will go out, I think, tomorrow. It'll be shipped over there or sent to them. Uh, for them to help with uh, the rebuilding efforts. And I just want to thank you, church family, uh, for your kindness uh, to that church, group of people that we've never met. But you've heard me say this here recently, that it is in the DNA of God's people to rush uh, to crisis, sort of like what Brother Ron is doing there in Ukraine and the situation there, obviously, in, in Hawaii. And, and uh, really, anytime there's a natural disaster, many of you are aware of Nehemiah's network, a ministry out of Columbia Road Baptist Church. And Brother Alan Jenkins, and just, again, the desire to be there and to be a help. And, uh, and so I just want to say publicly, church family, thank you for giving. Um, you heard Brother Ron talk about the 2,000 T-shirts that need to get over there, and, um, and, and he's, he's asked if we, we could be a part of that, and I'd like to be a part of that. Uh, I don't know the extent that we'll be able to, to, to give, uh, but, uh, but he's thinking, he was thinking if he shipped them, it'd be in the neighborhood about $2,000 to get them over there. He thinks that maybe taking them over in their suitcases might be a little bit more cost-effective. And, uh, and so, again, we um, obviously want to have a part in as much of this uh, as we possibly can. I do need to get this out of the way because I know I'm going to be asked 100, maybe 200 times tonight, Pastor Pete, what happened to your vehicle? Some of you saw as I pulled on the lot, I was, um, I was rear-ended on Friday uh, on Ridge Road, I was sitting in traffic, and a lady uh, didn't want to sit in traffic anymore, and she plowed right into the back of me, and, uh, and I didn't see it coming, had no idea uh, that it was happening, and, uh, and so my car, those of you that are asking, that's what happened. I'm not that bad of a driver, I promise you. My wife had nothing to do with it, I promise you that, uh, and so uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way, because I know I'm going to have to answer that question a bunch of times tonight. And I, I thought to myself, when I went to bed, I thought, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to feel this. I was fairly confident that I was, it was not going to be good when I woke up. And I woke up on Saturday morning, and I felt great. I thought, I need to do this more often, you know? And, and I thought, well, maybe, to, maybe Sunday morning I'll feel awful. And I, I, I don't feel awful today either. So I just want to say publicly, thank the Lord for his protection. And uh, it, was, it was not a, a major thing. You look at the vehicle, it looks like a major thing. Uh, but uh, I'm certainly grateful for that, and I just wanted to get that out of the way because already I know folks are going to be asking, and uh, there you go. There you have it. Let's take our Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter number four tonight. Ephesians uh, chapter number four, and uh, I want you to look with me, if you would, uh, here, and a couple of verses. We need to move uh, sort of swiftly tonight. I, I, I don't 
Um, I don't want to take too much of your time this evening. We've already been here for a little while, but look with me if you would in verse, uh, verse number 22. The Bible says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I'd like to emphasize that word found in verse number 23 where Paul writes, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the subject of renewal or being renewed. Over the past month, we have preached messages out of Ephesians chapter number 4 that have emphasized the theme of revival. You see, a week from today, our church will begin our fall revival. Begins next Sunday, we've got a friend day scheduled, and we're encouraging folks to invite uh, maybe family members, friends, those that maybe don't have a church home, or perhaps those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and uh, that's next next Sunday, but really, uh, all day on Sunday, and then Monday night, and Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, uh, we'll have a special guest here who's going to be emphasizing this theme of being revived. The revival is renewed and more active attention to religion. Uh, it is an awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. In some respects, it's sort, of, it's sort of the idea of coming alive to the spiritual side of me. Um, the great spiritual struggle in life is between God and Satan. And it is over the eternal souls of men. You know that, don't you? Now that there has been a war that has been waged for thousands of years between God and the forces of good and Satan and the forces of evil. God created man without sin and without a sin nature and he placed him on this earth to live in a garden that was really a, a, a taste of paradise. And Satan came along, you know the story, and he tempted man and man fell. But you also know that not all was lost as God had already predetermined, God had already already designed that his son would, uh, would die to pay the penalty for man's sin. And those who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ are saved from their sin and its eternal consequences. And sight, some might you know, assume this, this victory uh, of salvation, that it ends the spiritual struggle. In other words, you're sitting here tonight and you say, well, I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. I know that heaven is my home. I know that Christ lives inside of me. Therefore, the battle between God and Satan for me is over. And I just want you to know something. You couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. In fact, the, 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 the struggle is really, in some respects, it is just beginning. The war transitions from the soul to the life or the testimony of a believer. Now at conversion, the Lord sets a plan in motion. In other words, when you got saved, God, God, said, God said for you, this is my plan for your life. And that plan is that you would grow in your spiritual understanding and your spiritual knowledge. Of This growth is, is enhanced or it is aided by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit of God and by the church that God has designed and that God has created. In other words, I'm, I'm, I believe this with all of my heart. You cannot be, you cannot be the Christian that God would have you to be without a Bible, without the indwelling presence and developing ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and without having a local church that you're a part of. If you could, if you could be the Christian that God designed you to be without those things, then he would not have gone to the lengths that he did to give you those things. 
And the thing that I think perhaps maybe Christians minimize the most is the local church. And I just want to remind you, be careful not to minimize the local church because the Bible says that Jesus loved the church and that he gave himself for the church. Pretty big deal. Jesus thinks pretty highly about what we're doing here tonight and about what we do here on a daily basis. It's a, it's a big deal. And so God, at, at your conversion, he set a plan in motion for you to, to grow in your spiritual understanding and knowledge. So, so understand, every believer needs a Bible. Every believer needs an awareness of and a submission to the Holy Spirit. And every believer needs a strong church in order, in order to be effective in this life. So many believers have canceled out uh, one or more of these. And then they wonder. They wonder, why do I struggle? Why do I seem to not get victory in this area or that area? Why do I feel like God is so far away from me? Well, let me just tell you something. You get into this book, you develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you plug yourself into the local church, and God is not nearly as far away as you think he is. He, he wants to be near to you. In fact, he says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Now, at the same time, understand this, the devil also has a plan for your life. At your conversion, the devil sets a plan in motion to cause you as a new believer to be carnal, to be ineffective, and to be distant from the Lord and disinterested in spiritual things. He uses a host of tools or weapons to accomplish this, his goals, uh, the world, the, uh, the, the philosophies of the world, and the pressures of the world. And, and he uses your fallen flesh that, that we don't get rid of at our conversion. It stays with us. And certainly he, he uses himself and his, his, his demons and, and his, his wicked host, all of these things he uses to accomplish his, his goals. He wants you, he wants to keep you in a state of spiritual defeat and spiritual decline. Now, here's the problem. This present world is visible. The Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God are invisible. This present world is temporal, and it's something that we can grab hold of today, whereas the kingdom of God is eternal. It's not something that, uh, that, that we're able really to do a, a, a whole lot with as far as being able to see it and really being able to enjoy it in, in today. And so because of that, because of the, the fact that these things we can see and the spiritual things we cannot see, Understand this, listen, listen, already, already in your fallen flesh and in, in your flesh, you are at, in some respects, you're at a disadvantage. You, you, will, you, will have a, you will have a propensity to go your own way. You will have a propensity to drift and, to, and, and really to be sort of disconnected from the Lord. The answer for all of this is what? The answer for this is Revival. The answer is renewal. The Bible tells us that, uh, that, that, that about the devil that he's very, very good at what he does. I, I think to myself that we, we, we've made, we've made some, some mistakes in the, way that we think, in the way that we think in our minds. The Bible tells us about the devil, listen, that he disguises himself as an angel of light. There's a verse that's going to appear on the screen. I want you to see it. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15. It says, maybe it's not going to appear on the screen. I can't remember if I put this in the notes or not. But, but here's, well, let's just go there because I don't think it's there. Go to 2 Corinthians 11. I want you to see it. It's very important. 2 Corinthians 11, look in verse number 13. The Bible says, Therefore such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel. In other words, no, no surprise that they can do this. 
that they do do this. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, now think about what you're up against. You are, you are a human being trapped in a body that is in a state of decline and decay. You, um, you, you are already given to, to have certain lusts of the flesh that you want to pursue. You're living in a world that is surrounded by others who are just consumed with pursuing their own fleshly lusts and doing whatever feels good. That's, that's the world that we're surrounded by. The, the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit, these, these things, they're not, they're not visible to the human eye. Oh, we see them through the eyes of faith, but we cannot see them with the human eye. And then, and then if, it, if, if it wasn't any, any worse than that, more challenging than that, then the Bible says, oh, and guess what? The devil himself makes himself at many times to appear like he's the good guy. And, and he, even, he even takes his ministers... False apostles and, 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 and false ministers, and he transforms them. And, and, and they, they look like they know what they're doing and that they're doing the right thing. And I'm just simply saying, listen, all of these odds are against us as Christians and as, and as believers. Listen, we need, we need to be as close to God as we can possibly be. Because we are, we're dealing with a, we are dealing with a, 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 a deck in many respects that is stacked against us. See, we have a misconception that the devil portrays himself as evil and wicked. You know, we're in the, we're in the Halloween time of year. My neighbor across the street has got a casket in her front yard. Now, that's a great thing to wake up to every morning and to pull into every night. Last night, she was hanging ghosts from the tree. And, and, and you're, you're, you're chuckling. And I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't know where she's at with all of this. But you know, that's, that's sort of how we're, we're conditioned to think as it relates to, to evil and to wickedness. That it's, it's graves and it's, and, and it's decaying corpses and it's, it's spooky, scary things. No, 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 no. The devil, the devil will come to you just as sure with a bunch of smiles and a bunch of candy and a bunch of wonderful things and make and make you think, make you think that he's the good guy. That's how, that's how he comes. That's how he portrays himself. You see, if he, if he portrayed himself, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that that stuff isn't of the devil. I'm talking about the, the, the graves and the scary stuff. It, it certainly is. But that's not often how he presents himself to believers. Because he understands you've got enough sense in you because you've got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you that you would run far away from that. So I don't want any part of this. Man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new creature in Christ. Forget this death stuff. Forget this haunted stuff. Forget this scary stuff. Instead, he tempts us in a very subtle way. Often, often making the suggestion that what he's offering not only that it's not that big of a deal, but many times making the suggestion that it's the right thing for you. That you will be missing out unless you take advantage of what it is that he is offering you. And because of his deceitful ways, many Christians and many churches are in desperate need of revival. Listen, and they don't even know it. Likely, likely there's someone in this room tonight and you've been here for all four messages. 
And you thought to yourself, well, I'll be there that week. I'll, I'll be in my pew. I'll sing the songs. Man, I'll hear all the preaching, but that's not for me. I don't need revival. I'm good. I want you to know something. You, you might be just the person that needs it the most. The person who's sitting here saying, this isn't for me. I don't need this. Can I say that it is very possible, it is very possible even for spiritual leaders to lead, to lead spiritually while tolerating some secret sin or devaluing the impact of a certain habit in their lives and and even that spiritual leader be unaware of their need for renewal and for revival. One of the saddest statements in the Bible is found in the book of Judges. And you know the story, it's the story of Samson. And over and over again, they tried to discover the secret to Samson's strength and he, he kept leading them along and he kept getting closer and closer and closer. And you know, at some point, he finally, the Bible says that he told her, speaking of Delilah, he told her all his heart. He says, it's, the connection is my hair. And so she shaved his head while he was sleeping. And the Bible says in Judges 16, 20, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he, awake, excuse me, and he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. Now listen to this. Here, here it is, one of the status, status statements in all the Bible. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Didn't even know that the presence of God was no longer upon his life. See, the secret to Samson's strength wasn't his hair. Never was his hair. The secret to Samson's strength was the Spirit of God. I want you to know something. Listen, the secret to the Cleveland Baptist Church, anything that's good that we've been able to do, is not, is not our great preaching or lack thereof. It's not our great music. It's not the fact that God's people give. It's not our standards. The fact that we maybe dress up a little bit when we come to church. Some, some do it, some don't. That's fine. That's, that, that's, not, that's not the secret to Cleveland Baptist strength. It's not our conservative positions and approach to life and ministry. Listen, that, that's not the secret to the strength. Listen, if there's, if there's anything that is good that has come out of Cleveland Baptist Church, it has been because the Spirit of God has moved in our midst. And because the Spirit of God is upon the people of the Cleveland Baptist Church. Samson didn't know it. He, he realized, no, it's not the hair. It's not the hair, it's the Spirit of God. He wist not. It's easy to be critical of Samson, but I tell you that there have been times when I have tried to live the Christian life unaware of the fact that the power and hand of God has departed from my life. I go through the motions, I present myself in a spiritual way outwardly, but inwardly, listen, I am far, far away from him. Just as Samson discovered that he was powerless physically, in the verses that followed this one, we too discover, listen, a similar truth as we walk in the flesh, as we live for the flesh, as we disregard the Spirit of God in our lives. Here's the question tonight. Is it possible? Is it possible that you and I need revival more than we even know that we do? In, in other words, and by the way, that, that's rhetoric. The answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely yes. We've already, we've already discovered and discerned how we, are, how, how we are, 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 have so many things against us. And that's all of us. 
And that it's so easy for us just to sort of coast through life and to just assume that everything is okay. And I'm here to tell you, listen, church family, we need this emphasis. Is it possible our church needs revival more than we even, I'm just just talking about you as an individual. I'm saying collectively, church family as a whole, is it possible that we need revival more than we realize it? In our text, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and I believe he's encouraging them toward revival. Listen, this was a great church. Listen, I want you to understand something. Great churches are not exempt from the attacks and temptations of Satan. In fact, in some respects, they may be even a greater target due to their strength and their influence. I want you to hold your place here in Ephesians chapter number four. I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter number two. Some probably 30 years removed from when Paul would write this book of Ephesians, this church would get another another message. The human author in this message would would be the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. But if you have a red letter edition copy of the Bible, which would denote the words of Jesus Christ, you'll find that chapters two and chapter number three in your book of Revelation are all read, meaning these are the words of Christ. Just as the Holy Spirit of God inspired Paul to write to the church at Ephesus, so the Holy Spirit of God and Jesus himself inspired John with these words. Notice who he's writing to, verse number one of chapter two, under the, under the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? So we know who he's writing to, same church. It's being written, into, written to in the book of Ephesians. Now go down to verse number four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now I just have to imagine that this church, when they read, when they read this, when they received, however they would have received this, I have to imagine that they probably were shocked to read this indictment. I mean, I mean, prior to this, they had been complimented. I mean, look at look in verse number, uh, verse number two. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried labored. You have endured some things patiently. You have worked, you have served, you have, you have kept yourself unspotted from evil and wickedness. You have not allowed those who say they are apostles, you've tried them, you've compared what they say uh, with, with, with what the word of God says, and you found them to be liars. And I mean, this is, this is good stuff. This is glowing commendations here. And they're rolling right along in this. And then we come to verse number four, and he says, however, however, I... I do have an issue with you. You've left your first love. You know what he's saying? He's saying, the, he's saying, hey, great church of Ephesus, you need revival, and you don't even know it. Cleveland Baptist Church, listen, we just celebrated 65 years of ministry. I was over in Willoughby today. Well, there was a spirit there. It was so exciting. But I just got to tell you, there's no place like this place. I mean, I, and I'm biased. I'm the, I'm, you know, this is my church home. I, if, if you're here tonight and you're from another church, you ought to feel the same way about your church. No place like it. But I got to tell you, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't want to be, in fact, as I got on the highway to drive over there today, it's like, I'm like, what am I doing? This is weird. I, I need, I need to, I'm heading east. I need to get back west. I need to get over where, where God's called me. I don't do it often. I'm not away often. But I wanted to be here. 
Now, this, this place is special. It's unique. Those, those of us that, that have been around here for a while, this is all, maybe this is all we've ever known. We, we don't realize it. We don't realize how blessed we are. We don't realize how good God has been to us. It's special. But I'm here to tell you, listen, I'm here to tell you in spite of the 65 years of history, if Jesus were speaking to us tonight, he would, he would maybe say, listen, I know, I know your labor and your works. You've been running bus routes for 50 years or more. And you've, been, you, you, you've, had, you've had nursery and child care for all those years, and you had sweet, sweet ladies over there loving on children and, and, and giving little snacks out and changing diapers and putting up with fussy babies. I've, I've seen it all. He'd, he'd say, man, those, those of you that sang tonight, you held a folder in that choir loft, and you sang. Many of you, you were here an hour and a half before the service on a Sunday. I know the sacrifice. Got out of, maybe you got out of your couch as you were napping, or perhaps you pulled yourself away from the television as you're watching a ball game, or, or, or maybe you're reading a good book, and you put the book down, and you came to church because you, you, you wanted to serve the Lord, and, and, and the Holy Spirit of God is saying, he's saying, I see it. I see it. And he'd, he'd say, listen, I know. I, I know your, your, your patience. You've had to endure some things. You've had to put up with some things. He'd say, listen, I, I, know, I know your doctrinal purity. You've, you, you've held the line on some things. You, you've, you've, you've preached from the same Bible for 65 years. You've, you, you've, sung, you've sung some of the same hymns for 65 years, and you've, you've said, you said no to some of the same spiritual influences that want to have some sway and want to have some influence over you for the last 65 years. I know, I know that you've tried some things. You have, you have judged some things. You have assessed some things, and you've determined, hey, listen, it may not be the end of the world, but it's not for us. And he would commend us, and he would say, good job in all of those things. But would he also say, would he also say, however, however, I have something against you because you don't love me like you once did. You don't love me as much as you ought but there's nobody else to do it. And you're no longer serving, listen, because of love for, for Jesus, but now you're serving because of duty, because you feel like you have to. And you're sitting in church on a Sunday night. I mean, the, 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 this is unusual in a lot of churches for there to even be a Sunday night service. And you're sitting here, you're saying, well, I'm here, aren't I? And I've got my tie on. And we sang our hymns, and I put a little bit of money in the offering plate, and, and, and I've, I've done all of the things that I've done for 50 years. And yet is the Holy Spirit of God whispering in your heart tonight? Is he whispering to us collectively tonight? Nevertheless, I'm glad for all of these things. I'm thrilled about all of these things. However, I have somewhat against thee. Because you're no longer in love with me like you once were. You're no longer serving me out of a heart of love and passion and compassion, but instead you're serving me out of a heart of duty because we've always done it. Because if I don't do it, who else will? Maybe we're doing it out of a sense of guilt. Well, somebody's got somebody's to love those kids. Somebody's got to teach a class. I guess, I guess it'll be me. Listen, I can't control whether revival comes to your life, but I can determine to live in revival myself personally. I want, I want to conclude tonight. We're not even going to get to the outline. I want you to look in Revelation 2, look in verse number 5. 
What's, what's the message? What's the message to a, to, a, to a church, great church, like Ephesus, perhaps like Cleveland Baptist, what is the message from God? To a church that needs revival, listen, to a life that needs revival, to a marriage and a home that need revival, what is the message from God's word? Here it is, verse five. Here it is, ready? Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. You know what I think the Lord would have us to do tonight? I think he'd have us to remember some things. And if we can see some things in our life that need to be repented of, I believe that he'd have us repent of some things. And I believe that he'd have us to go back and to pick up the things that we've always done, but to now pick them up with a different spirit and a different mindset and a different mentality. I think, I think he'd have some folks tonight who maybe have disconnected themselves a little bit from this book to say, you know, I think one thing I can do to have revival is to get into God's word a little bit more. So folks maybe here tonight that have sort of disconnected themselves from the Holy Spirit, you're not really listening to him a whole lot, you're not really obeying him a whole lot, maybe he'd have you say, Lord, I, I want to I hear from the Holy Spirit again. I want to hear his whispering voice and presence in my life. Maybe, maybe some that have devalued, marginalized just a little bit the local church. And, and by the way, maybe all of these things, in the, in the moment as you've been involved in them, the, the, the devil has gotten into your life and he's transformed himself as an angel of light. And you've thought, you've thought, well, this is good. This is good what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong here. Perhaps the Holy Spirit of God is whispering in your heart, it's you. It's you. You've gotten away from me. You've allowed the spiritual enemy who has a plan for your life, just like I have a plan for your life, to, to get his way into your life, and he's taking advantage of you in a certain way. What is the answer, church? The answer is to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's revival. It is to remember the place we're fallen. It is to repent and it is to do the first works. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.